1: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1051. The Wizard Guitar Tour is underway in various cities like uh, Brea, California. That's just one night on Saturday, March 21st. And then the weekend after the 26th, 27, 28, I'll be at Helium in Portland. And then uh, I'll be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston April 3rd. The tickets and info for all of the dates, which are populating the calendar throughout the rest of 2020, are at WizardGuitar.com. Come on out and see the Wizard Guitar. But now, Oh, and also, uh, The Wall, uh, the NBC game show The Wall, starts back March 15th, which is uh, real soon. And there's a bunch of episodes. And the, the show, we taped it a little while ago, but damn, people... Really figured out how to play the game, and it is incredible. So I if you are a fan of The Wall, it is coming back on Sunday nights, I think at like 7 p.m. on March 15th for a while. And uh, if you're not a fan of The Wall, that's fine too. There are a lot of entertainment choices out there. I don't know how we keep up with everything, quite honestly. There's just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say there's too much entertainment, but there's a lot. Uh, in any case, let's talk about you. We're going to talk about uh, Cameron Childs, who has emailed events at ID10T.com, who said, I made a thing. It is the pilot episode of Turbo City Gaiden, an animated series chronicling the adventures of the baddest band on the planet, the Mad Gear. Aesthetically, the series takes its cues from the 8- and 16-bit video games. The art is pixelated, the animation is simple, and the music is chipified. The show itself is inspired by countless video games, Saturday morning cartoons, film noir, and The Warriors. It also has been described as Streets of Rage meets Strong Bad. Now that the pilot is out, we're launching a Kickstarter to make a full season. You can find it all at MadGearBand.com. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for making a thing. Uh, this episode is Russell Peters. Stand-up comedian, Russell Peters, who I don't think actually has ever been on the podcast before. He was on At Midnight. I don't think he's actually ever been on the podcast. So this might be his premiere episode. He's promoting his new Amazon stand-up special, Deported, which, as I just said, is on Amazon. But I said it really fast. I kind of barreled through it. So I'm just going to say it again. It is on Amazon. Uh, Russell Peters, thank you so much for uh, being on this episode of the ID10T podcast, which starts right now. No babies yet. I won't do it. <laughs> it's so funny because I'll, I'll, I've been, and I imagine you too, because this is just sort of what happens as comedians get older. They just sort of talk about stuff in their life. I've started talking about the potential of having kids in my show, and it's always so funny how divided it is. Some people are like, it's the best, and other people are like, don't do it! Don't do it. You know,
0: it. so I just... <laughs> Do it. just the People best. that are telling you it's the best are just, you know, that Misery Loves Company, right?
1: <laughs> I know. It is always like a weird club that people are trying to recruit you for. Like, when are you going to do it? Like, yeah. hey, come on. Don't do it. It's your
0: culty club. I don't know. I, I, I You I think can't it, go back from it. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not like. <laughs> There's no backtracking. Like a bad haircut? Mm-hmm. I'll grow out. Oh. It's it's like the
1: tire spikes that go up. Like, you're
0: tired. You can't back up. You can't back up. That's it. Yeah, children are tire spikes. <laughs> I think that's the takeaway from today. <laughs> that's I'm, why they say you're so tired.
1: Oh yeah. we did it. So we guys, did guys, we did it.
0: I start with a pun.
1: That listen, you're not gonna get I'm not gonna turn my nose up at a pun.
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan.
1: I have I am like puns, I feel like everyone loves them, even though some people are like, Oh, you know, they're puns, but everyone loves puns. Yeah, I'm in, a big fan. And I'm a father. So you have to. Yeah. Kids love the wordplay. Um, I've been excited to talk to you because you do something that is very difficult to do, which is you're able to shoot riffing in your shows. Right, which is a which is a. I, I've always thought like, oh, it's really. I tried to do a segment of it in my last special, and it was like a, a an extra right. where I kind of went into the crowd, but I always find that. It works in a live show because everyone's there. Mm -hmm. Shooting comedy creates a layer of separation. So the audience at home isn't caught up in the energy. So like, well, I don't give a fuck. You know, like I'm not there. So I would love to sort of talk about how you're able
0: to make that work and how you're able to weave it in. Mainly because it's something that I would really wish I could see. I love talking to the crowd. So do I. Because I get bored. Like after you, you know, when you're, when I, especially when you go to shoot a special, Mm -hmm. you got to figure you've toured that for two years or something. Yeah. And now you're just deathly fucking bored of the act. <laughs> and you're like, <clears throat> maybe I can... If I talk to somebody, it'll make me want to breathe new life into the material that I'm right. trying to do. So. Right. But that's also the way I write, is by talking to the crowd. Yep. You seem like a very structured, intelligent guy. I write... Well, that is... You, you've definitely been tricked. I... <clears throat> for-
1: I, and by intelligent I don't mean you're smart right, right, I, mean, right, right, right. <laughs> I just mean I overthink things <coughs> yeah. um, I, it was my last two specials I very much wrote the way that you do and a lot of it had to do with just my schedule being so crazy right. that I would sort of get an idea and then just kind of riff with the crowd see how it unfolds or talk to people and something would come out and then it would become a part of the act in this special, I really – I sit down every morning at breakfast and I just write for like an
0: hour. I tweak. How do you I play do with... that? That's the part I don't understand. Like you open your laptop or do you use pen and paper? I open my laptop. Um, I use a couple of different programs,
1: a couple of different apps that I use. And I just tweak. You know, like I listen to sets and I go, that was fat. I can cut that out. You know, like what's a different joke on this? How's, what's a different angle on this? So it's just a it's just tweaking every day just incrementally
0: and trying at different shows, which also keeps it fresh every time right i used to um i think in the nineties I would record my sets mm-hmm. and then I would listen to them once only once so here's the thing i used to d j yeah i still do i started djing in eighty five and i and I found through djing that if you make a mistake in a mixtape mm-hmm. when I would be making mixtapes if there was a mistake like a I dropped the record in at the wrong time mm-hmm. or the the mix went off a little bit. And if I listened to it more than twice in my brain goes, that's the way that's going to go. That's the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that and, and instituted it into comedy and I would listen to my set once. And I'd make my notes back then. I'm like, okay, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. And then I would not listen to that set ever again. Then I would record the next set and try to fix it and then listen to that set once. And, that's how I would kept moving it forward because then you don't end up making the same mistakes. No, but sometimes <coughs> – sometimes,
1: uh, and especially with like DJ – dr- I've dropped a record at the wrong time. There's always – there's that Prince thing of like if you make a mistake, do it again because then it seems intentional. you know? Like yeah. sometimes the happy mistakes are like – and that's what I love about riffing with people is that so when things kind of go sideways – that's kind of where some of the magic happens. Oh, yeah. Because you can't... I don't believe... Like, I can't write something verbatim and recite a script. I can I can write beats. Like, I'll write the joke beats, and then however it comes out is how it comes out. Because right. I feel like you have to be in the relationship with the audience for yeah. that to... You're not married to the words. So, not at all. Right. That it comes out different every... You know, like... And also, I would imagine for you, too, if people mm-hmm. saw two of your shows back-to-back... What they would see are two different shows. Even though some of the core material is the same, they would have two different experiences
0: based on your interaction with the crowd. Right. And that's how I like to do it. Yeah. And I think that's why after 31 years, I still have a nice thriving live business. Yeah. Because they come out and they're like, we saw him last time and he was fantastic. And then we saw him again and it was completely different. Yeah. I've had people come out three nights in a row on a weekend because they were there Friday or Thursday and they were like – that was so good. And then they came Friday. It was a different show again. Yeah. So I had a different show again. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and I'm like, what was it? Yeah. When, I don't know that I'm doing that. I just – you're just doing it. It's just natural. Yeah, it's just, just natural. just being you. But you have the comfort level on stage
1: that no matter how far off the map you go, you know you're going to be able to pull it back if you
0: need to. Yeah, I'll just ask a leading question.
1: Yeah. Do you ever find sometimes that it's difficult to follow – your written material like you've had like such a stellar riff with the audience yeah. and they're so involved and then all of a sudden you talk about something that doesn't involve them and you're like no uh, talk about us again yeah that was more fun. i've
0: had that i've had i've had myself not be able to follow myself yes yes
1: yeah. yes yes, yes. <clears throat> it's the
0: it's the best and worst feeling at the same time yeah, <laughs> yeah but you can always dive back into the crowd if yeah. you need to and then i go I, I would actually address it as soon as it happens to like that was the written material which is clearly not as good as you guys. Yeah, of course. You know. Yeah, but that, you know, <clears throat> that type of comedy and what you're talking about is
1: just like being in the purest sense of the moment, in the purest present possible, which I think is sort of what makes it fun and and I don't know if it like it's a whole separate skill set to recite your set like a script and I have respect for the guys that do and are able to have it sound fresh every single right. time. But I'm like you. I have to
0: trick myself into... It's like jazz. I guess so. You know what song you're starting to play (laughs) and And eventually
1: you're like i'm in this key and i'll probably end up on
0: this and i just have to get there i'll I'll start with the song and i'll end with the song but in the middle it's going to get a little convoluted
1: yeah do you ever go on stage and just say like with like how broad are your topics when you go on stage and you don't know how it's going to work out you go like oh i'm just going to talk about my kids and see what happens
0: yeah i've had it happen a lot i find Whenever I get to my kids, it gets it just falls flat nowadays. Oh, does it? Yeah, because I'm like, eh. I get bored of it because I think about it from the perspective of when I didn't have kids and I would hear a comic talk about their kids. I'm like, I don't care about your fucking kids. Is it dude. just like
1: showing someone your pictures
0: of your kids? Yeah, you know, like, like, oh, that's so great. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, my kids aren't doing anything spectacular. Right. Like my 9 year old's just a regular nine-year-old. She's, right. She's not an asshole. She's not, you know what I mean? <laughs> she's not like wacky. She's just... Quiet. Just a kid. Yeah. And my son's 10 months old. What's he going to do? Not not much. So he shit himself today, guys. Hey, guys. Oh, Oh. oh, congratulations. And then he ate. Mm -hmm. And then he shit himself again.
1: Yeah. He might shit himself tomorrow.
0: Yeah. He wakes up and grabs my nose. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah. No. Good night. You guys are great. It's uh, it's horrible. You guys are great. (laughs) Yeah. So... I find when I do go into it nowadays, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to talk about my kids anymore." It's not that I'm trying to protect them. I'm just like, "You're you're boring." So you, <laughs> you,
1: you, your your careers, you have this very sort of coveted position, I think, of of also having an amazing international business, which is a very tough thing to get, I think, for at least for American comics because we're so. I, th- I think a
0: lot of American comics underestimate their value internationally. Really? Yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of you guys don't realize how popular you are in other countries. Maybe. I and, certainly don't. And without tooting my own horn, which I, I don't like talking about myself, but I have always been told in all these other countries that I was their first introduction to stand-up. Oh, wow. Like, they didn't know what it was until they saw me. And then they discovered other people. Was it just for laughs? <clears throat> Is that Was that the sort of... Was that the- no, it, was, it would have been YouTube in 2005 when it started. Oh, my God. Somebody put my whole act on there, and then it just went around the world. Yeah. And that's what made the international base really strong. And so, like, you go to like Mongolia or you go to Malaysia or you go to India and you find out what was your introduction to, oh, Russell Peters. Yeah. said some countries, they didn't know what it was called. They just called it what that guy did.
1: Yeah. And basically, if you, it's not like you have to get, it's not like you have to go to India and get a billion people to come out. It's oh, just yeah. like a, it's a you can get th- point 0.1 you're good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And you still you still can have a healthy touring business. So do you when you go to different countries do you tour the countries themselves or do you kind of go to like one <laughs> hub city
0: and then like everyone comes out to there? Yeah, you go to the majors, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh and then, as it starts to spread, you know, like I would go to Stockholm originally, mm-hmm. and then you would end up going to Malmo the next time. So you'd go Stockholm and Malmo, and then you're like, "Oh, Norway's right there, so let's go over to Norway." And then you start spreading out. It's just, it's just a, just a natural spread. It is interesting because
1: I forget. Like I have some, I have a couple of friends who are Norwegian, mm-hmm. and one of them just happens to be obsessed with stand up comedy. Like knows, you know, loves Stephen Wright and Hedberg <clears throat> right. and all these like. And he said, look, you know, in Norway, we got a lot of Western – we got a lot of American stuff. And he said – and I go, well, what's comedy like in Norway? And he goes, well, we're, we're we're coming around to it. Like there are comedians now, but it seems like if you had the – the time and the focus which you have have done of going around to countries, there's probably a lot of underserviced stand up countries and where tons, you could like, if, even just showing up, even if they didn't know who you were, they were like, oh, "I'm going to go see this because it's a thing I haven't really seen yeah. before." And then they, I imagine, they are very loyal to you because, like you said, they're the first person you yeah, saw.
0: They're great to me. I, I, I have no complaints about it at all. Do you have to? Does, does your set change for not, each? Not, no, not necessarily. No, I mean, you might. It's it's like. It's like doing the road here. You'll talk about whatever you saw in their town, right? You, know? you, you write one joke for them, right? And then you do your act. But is it <clears throat> is it
1: pretty much is 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 comedy pretty much a common denominator language in the sense that like every culture likes having stuff pointed out about it like do, yeah. do, do they take it differently in each or is it pretty much the same basically well, here's the
0: thing is that everybody does the exa- ultimately we all do the exact same things it doesn't matter what country you're from or what color you are or whether you're male or female it doesn't matter we all do the exact same things but we're so narcissistic we think that we're the only ones doing
1: it. right and someone points it out you're like oh my god
0: yeah and i'm like oh you know indian people are cheap and then and then, like Russians, would be like, we, "We're cheap." <laughs> and then, you know, you got you got the Scottish going, "No, we're cheap, Jimmy." And then every everybody thinks they're this, right? And then my dad, I would say, my dad, blah blah blah, and they go, "My dad, my dad," and it's like. Yeah, exactly what I'm trying to tell you. We all do the exact same thing there's nothing unique about us. Right. I mean, I remember sort of, you know, coming up in,
1: I guess, what would have been... Was that
0: Chubby Chris then?
1: That was Chubby Chris then. Oh, you remember Chubby Chris. Oh, that's so nice. It's so weird to see you, like... Skinny. <laughs> well, now it's been like 15 years. I but know, but it's
0: still – it's still that's so still funny.
1: Why? Well, I, I I had a name for that guy. I called him Peter Hardwick. Like he was the – that was like drunk oh, me. Oh, hey, I called, Peter. Hey, Peter. But it was uh, – it's so funny that you remember that guy. But I but I often um, – you know, like coming up in kind of the more alternative comedy scene where, you know, we'd get really snobby about club comedy. Oh, I know. And so – Oh, it, I know all about and it. And I right. look back now and I feel kind of – I'm like I'm sort of annoyed with myself over it because – You know, you get you can say, like, look, there's a comic on stage and he's fucking talking about airplane food. And it's like, yeah, but the people that came out to that show don't think about comedy 100 percent of the time. And maybe that's the first time someone pointed that out to them. Yeah. So maybe maybe you might consider it like a topic that's, you know, like been tread on before. But maybe this person has a take on it that you haven't, you know. So it's like overcoming that snobbery to realize, like, hey, you know, like maybe if we're not so stuck up about stuff, we could reach people that otherwise wouldn't would not understand our whole like super, you know, super ironic form of comedy that is for just people who are comedy fanatics. We're, we're
0: in the uh, uber sub-genre, uh, sub genre. Sub 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 sub. Yeah, we're living yeah. in this uber sub sub genre world now, and yeah. you know, I always liken it to music, and and you can watch like how, you know, in the early 1900s, everybody listened to one style of music. Yeah,
1: exactly. And do you they, like music? I sure yeah. do. Yeah. Here's some. And
0: then you go to the 40s, and then, like, the big band stuff started. Like, ooh, we're into big band. Yeah. And then rock and roll started, and that's where it started to divide. Oh, you like rock and roll? We're into big band. Right. Oh, yeah, we like jazz. And then rock and roll came in, and then rock and roll splintered into heavy metal, glam rock, soft rock, class. you know. Yeah. And then disco started, and then... Then rap becomes then like rap, hip-hop. And then hip-hop. And then hip-hop started subgenres. genres Yeah. Everything started to splinter and everybody started to find a niche. And yeah. that's what comedy did. Comedy, if you look at comedy from the... Seventies onwards, you know, it was like wacky, goofy, then oh, this guy swears. Oh, hold on, now it's getting darker. Hold right. on a second. What's that all about? Yeah. And then black comedy, white comedy, what's this? And right. stoner comedy, and then it just started to splinter again. Yeah.
1: Oh, Richard Pryor, you can just tell stories about your life yeah. in a an honest and authentic way. That's yeah. crazy. It doesn't have to be like super jokey. It does you have Steve Martin. It can be super yeah.
0: um... Steve Martin was like extra goofy and wacky. Yeah. And it was hilarious to me. Was uh, he your he was my guy? I, I love Steve Martin. I loved Steve Martin. I loved Cheech and Chong. Yeah. I remember listening to uh somebody brought the 45 to school of Sister Mary Elephant. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that sketch? No. It was it, like that's how brilliant Cheech and Chong was that they made a sketch that you had to listen to. There was no film or video of Sister Mary Elephant. Yeah. And it was a sketch, it was a two minute and 30 second sketch. On a 45. Wow. And we would listen to it in class. And I remember crying, literally crying. Couldn't breathe laughing listening to this thing. And that was also, oh, now, now we're getting into old guy talk,
1: but that was also a period of time where you would listen to the same bit or album over and over yeah. and over. And now, you know, we've become such a consumer culture that it's like you'd watch or listen to it. Like, there was a time well, where- I it, saw it already. Yeah, I saw it once. Yeah. Where like specials- you know, used to be really special because you would listen to it over and over again. And now it's sort of like a, a marker of the stand up that you've done for the past year or two and you're about to start over. And it definitely helps. And you have a special on Amazon. But
0: I don't know how special it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but people, in general, people watch it once and they're just like, more, more, more. You know, like there's so many They're either more out there. or they're like,
0: meh, <laughs> <laughs> meh, more or meh. <laughs> Those are the check
1: boxes. Yeah, my friend. My friend pointed out that you know it's like yeah, in the early days of film, you could just film a horse walking up a stair, a a staircase, because no one had done that before. That was like mind blowing. Yeah, look at that horse. Oh my god, that's a moving horse up a stair. How'd they do that? You know, and then I'm seeing a
0: horse on the wall, and there's no horse on that wall.
1: And then it was like then it had to evolve. Then the horse, then they needed special effects. The horse had to be walking through space, and then it had to be all these different. You're right, the subgenres. And so, do you think it all? Kind of recoalesces at some point, or are we so far down the tributaries of subgenre culture that there's like no going back?
0: It'll eventually tie itself back together. You think so? It has to. You can't stray. <clears throat> you can't stray that far from 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 the mother, right. you know, and 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 not come back to it. Yeah, because eventually it's gonna. It's it's like stretching something. It's gonna get so thin that it doesn't matter anymore. Right, and it's got to come back to. To where where it has some substance again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it blows my mind to think that on any given night, like in the 70s, that, you know, 40 million people would watch, which, you know, the population was lower back then. So that was like a real considerable chunk of this country were all watching The Tonight Show. Yeah. And they were watching, you know, if a comedian put out a thing, everyone saw it. And now you can still have a big thing and somehow – not everyone yeah. knows what it is. Oh, look,
0: I, I've had this is my ninth special. <laughs> I haven't done one um, talk show. I haven't done one. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I was refused. It kind of doesn't. It doesn't matter. matter. To me it really doesn't. I'm like, what difference is it going to make now? Yeah. I think there's two. There's two shows that definitely matter to do, and that'd be like that could. That 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 would that act like a Carson type of thing in yeah. the seventies, and that would be Howard Stern, right? Or maybe Joe Rogan experience, right? Those are the two that that people will actually pay attention to, right? Right, right, right. And The good news is I'm friends with Joe. Bad news is I've never done Stern. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> I never have either.
0: No, <laughs> no. I'm not for sure you would have done it. No,
1: no, I've never done it either. But I think that's why, you know, like when all the comedians, you should really do Rogan's podcast. I don't know if ever he's done ours. Yeah, really, he, he, he has. Yeah, he, he that's impressive you, because he yeah. doesn't do anybody's. This was a few. Year, this is a few years ago, but it, it. I think it's part of the reason why all the comedians gravitated toward podcasts is because we realize, well, there's not people aren't doing comedy on TV much anymore.
0: Um, yeah, when I did eventually get offered, like to do like cordon yeah they're like they want you to do stand-up i go i've been doing stand-up 31 years i'm not auditioning on tv again <laughs> right 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 it's to, nothing personal it's just like i tell stories i like to what's the four minute
1: yeah. chunk like it yeah. every, every piece of this set kind of relies on the context of the other pieces of the yeah. set
0: yeah yeah it's like uh, here's a piece of the mona lisa well which piece is that? <laughs> is it? i the, need to see the whole mona is lisa? it
1: the hand is it the eye is yeah. it the mouth? yeah you need this whole thing that i completely
0: agree with you it's sort of hard to figure out it's great for new comics. Yes. Because they're doing 7-minute sets in the clubs. Or two-line joke comics. Yeah, like who you can just lift out two
1: two or three lines of jokes yeah. and it's super fast high high joke per minute ratio.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, it works it it's set up for a very specific type of comic.
1: But the good news is that it you don't need to do it. So you just keep touring. Yeah,
0: I mean I don't care either way anymore. Yeah. It's like, "Eh." Well, ran- well, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to make a dent.
1: I was uh, I was just in Columbus and Brian Regan. First came- of
0: all, stop bragging. Sorry, I don't mean to um,
1: bring out my highfalutin words like Columbus, Ohio. But I will be there soon. It's a great town. At the punchline, it was it was at the uh, no, I was at uh, the Funny Bone. Oh, the Funny Bone, was at The Funny Bone. I'll be at the
0: Funny Bone, and it's
1: a- and it's in this like super high end like Grove style mall. There's like all these the Columbus. Yes. I was, I was kind of giving the crowd shit. Like,
0: Wait, guys- is that the one where the hotel is directly across the street? Yeah, from the yeah, club? yeah, yeah. Did yeah. they update that
1: mall or something? That mall is insane. There's like a Louis Vuitton store, a coach store, what? a Burberry store. And I was asking the crowd, like, why do you guys have a Louis Vuitton store? Your median house price is $165,000. And, of course, they laugh. And then I would meet people afterwards, and they're like, we like to spend money in Columbus, Ohio. They're just going through a period of financial boom, boom, like consumerism. Well, but- because
0: they're... Everything else is so cheap.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Gas is cheap. House is cheap. Cars yeah. are cheap.
1: But Regan came by after his show was the same night. And he came by afterwards and we were talking. And By know, the way,
0: Regan, one of the nicest human beings on the planet.
1: And I love him because he just – he doesn't get to hang out with comics at his shows because he's isolated in right. the theaters that he does. So he just loves to – because I saw like a week or two after my show, he was hanging out with Jackie Cation and Maria Bamford at their show. And right. an, he's just such a comics comic and a guy that – also doesn't rely on he doesn't do talk show sets he doesn't no. have to he just he tours the people know they're gonna see a great show and they come back and they bring friends the next time they yeah. see him
0: yep that's the way to do it
1: and and that's what i love about like the purest stand of comedians is that they, in a way they're sort of impervious to this whole like social media culture you got to put your stuff and it's like no they you don't you I just
0: do it but it's more out of like uh yeah, because I'm bored. I hate doing social media. I hate doing the Instagram and stuff. Yeah, and it feels like, weird. I, yeah, I I don't like it, man. It's just people are like, well, you, how are they gonna know where you are? I go, I don't know. Find me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I gotta tell you. Everything. Get out of here. Yeah, and we're we're taking away thinking from people.
1: Well, not only that, but I think the idea that. Social media really drives engagement in the real world. I think we're. I think hopefully we have learned like it doesn't it doesn't matter how much you live tweet a show. It doesn't matter how many times you say on social media you're going to be in a city. A s- tiny percentage of people will be like, oh, I saw on Twitter that you you know. Yeah. It's usually you talk about it a hundred times. You do a
0: town, and then a day later, like
1: when you coming to Denver, you're like, I was just there. I didn't oh, stop yeah, that's talking my favorite. about it.
0: That's exactly. Right. <laughs> a man, huge fan. When are you coming? I was. You fuck. You fucking <laughs> idiot. I was just there. How come I didn't know? I thought you were a big fan, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to get really aggressive with the thing. I you do get a little aggressive. Fucking with them. jerk. How
1: dare you not know you I was coming? In. How piece fucking of dare shit. you? Anyway, thanks for coming. I'll okay. see you next time. We'll see anyway, you next so time. We'll be back show. in a month. Yeah, so do you want to sign up for the email? Do you do email lists at all? Do you do know anything like that? I don't
0: that? do I don't even. I, I I hide out in the green room after the shows, too.
1: What What fascinates me is that. The fact that – and this, I think, is antithetical to sort of our modern digital culture is that terrestrial radio does work. It does – like I find when I go into a market, if there's a handful of tickets left and I do a morning radio show that people listen to, it moves that last chunk of tickets. Like there's still
0: real power in traditional media. Uh, maybe for you. Maybe for you. Yeah. No? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't like doing them because I always feel like those guys don't know who I am. Like most of the time my, – my head is nobody knows who I am. That's how I – that's how my world is. Maybe you know, that's a healthy place to come from, though. Maybe because in my head, it's like nobody knows who you are, so you're going to walk into these stations. They're going to stare at you, and then they're going to treat you like a jerk, and then they're going to, and then they're going to ask you the fucking most annoying question you can ask a comic. So what can people expect from your show? Well, well <laughs> it's jokes? a fucking comedy show. What do you, what do you hope to expect? A lot of a lot of tears and sadness. I'm a pioneering uh, stand-up tragedy, and yeah. so
1: I just tell a lot of sad stories, yeah. when everyone goes home sad, sad. And
0: you know, but but most people are sadistic, so they laugh at me.
1: You know? <laughs> well, because there, there's some shows that you go on, and that they want you to, they want to set you up for bits, and it's like, uh. oh, I don't, doesn't really. You're like, I'm not
0: trying to do funny. You should ask. I'm just, yeah, I'm try- <laughs> just trying to,
1: like, we can talk. We could just. I mean, riff. I don't know,
0: what was it? Uh, not funny. You should ask. It was, uh, uh which one? The other Pyronala show. uh.
1: Oh, uh, um,
0: oh, kicking it? No, well, that's wasn't it wasn't kicking a, it one. No, there was another one before that. Oh, uh, the oh, uh, comics unleashed. Comics unleashed.
1: Unleashed is that it? Yeah, comics unleashed. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Chris, I hear you were just in Columbus, Ohio.
1: Interesting. Yes. I was, as a matter of fact. You know what I noticed about gas stations? <laughs> and then you like you somehow take a turn. <clears throat> yeah. But I guess it's just
0: part of the. It's lazy to me. Yeah. And I'm lazy. So if you're going to be lazy and I'm going to be lazy, we're just going to sit stand here, stand here staring at each
1: other. But you but you can riff, and not everyone is a riffer. And so that's sort of hard to explain sometimes. Like, we can just talk about whatever, and we'll just make it fun because yeah. we're in the moment and we're having a conversation. Yeah, they don't know how to
0: do that. They go, oh, well, yeah, we should have a talking point. No, we don't, no, it doesn't need to. You don't need that. You don't need that.
1: I can tell you from the other
0: side of it, though, having – I worked on radio
1: in the 90s, and it is – you do have to fill a lot of time and not everyone can do what you do in a room and so they just it's sort of like how you used to when you used to go on talk shows even if you were doing a couch segment it was almost it was too script it was too like they're gonna say this and then you say this and it's like oh my god this is like an acting exercise now this isn't
0: like yeah you know what bothers me about that is I feel like that all turned turned to that in the 90s Mm -hmm. because when you watch old Carson it's amazing dude like guys just show up and and like be on the show, and they would just talk like Johnny, like a podcast, yeah, they would just like Johnny made it fun, and like you would say they were genuinely enjoying each other. You watch Dean Martin and those guys, and when they would hang out on on the roast or the Dean Martin show, remember yeah. they had that yeah, that late night show, where yeah they would just drop in and hang out, And it was just fun, it was cool
1: there I've been down some rabbit <laughs> holes, some Carson rabbit holes, and it's been really fascinating to watch like. Richard Pryor or Carlin on yeah they weren't funny on they weren't funny like they wouldn't really do bits per se like every once in a while they would get a laugh from the crowd but it was just a it was just like a it was a fucking conversation just like talking and at a certain point and probably the eighties that shifted and they're like oh let's everyone's got to do bits and jokes yeah. and sketches yeah let's and, make this
0: better right I, I I've gone down the Dick Cavett rabbit hole lately oh yeah there's a ton of old Dick Cavett stuff popping up on YouTube. He was really sort of the fa- – I think he was one of the godfathers of, like, the podcasting format where yeah. he would just talk to someone. I don't understand him, though, because I never find him funny. He's not trying to be funny. But he is. But he, he – his- But it was, like, really bad. It was, like – But he was yeah, he that, was that, just that, trying
1: that, to that. keep the ball in the air and then step out of the way. Yeah. He would sort of, you know, like – you know, poke at Betty Davis, get her to tell a story, and then he would back out of the way, and then occasionally be like, "So you, um, so then you, 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 you and Groucho, then, and then like
0: they would start to tell
1: a story, and then he would back out of the way. I think he was just trying to keep the ball in the air.
0: I mean, it was on. You know, it's uncomfortable watching him with when he would interview black people. Really? Yeah. It, it's because you know the thing is he he was like cool with them, and and he was friends with them. Yeah. And he wasn't a racist by any means. That's not where I'm going with this, but. It was that over—because uh, of the time it was in the 80s, he would try to overly project at their friends. That might have been in the 60s and the 70s. No, was, was I he watched him Was doing with,
1: the show in the 80s? Oh, yeah. He
0: was going for a while, buddy. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was going for a while. Like, earlier—yeah, I saw with Eddie Murphy on there. Oh, wow. And then he would try to make, like, a black joke. Really? Because—no, but because it's like— as if you're friends you can do that oh
1: he was trying to establish rapport he, but he was
0: trying to make it look like yeah and it would just fall flat
1: because he's dick Cavett.
0: yeah and it's like it's like your it's like your dad or your granddad and you're like
1: yeah you don't need to try to do that yeah,
0: yeah. it's it, it's kind of. It's, you should watch it. It's kind of. I will. It's. 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 Uh, I'll watch the Eddie Murphy one. As they as they say, the kids nowadays. It was cringeworthy.
1: Well, I, one of the things that I've so enjoyed about Eddie Murphy's kind of like reemergence into the public consciousness is how much joy he seems to have. Like he could. He doesn't shy away at all from like he seems totally willing to like he tells these great stories about when he first became, like, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Mm -hmm. He's not afraid to talk about stuff. And he seems to talk about it with, like, a real glee and nostalgia. And the fact that he is so – embraces it so much delights me and makes it so fun to watch him.
0: Yeah, I mean – look, I got to – last year I got to go to this thing. I wasn't invited, but I got to go. (laughs) So Tiffany Haddish – texts me i text her a picture of her. i text tiffany a picture of my mom and her yeah last year and then tiffany replied i said my mom loved you. she goes oh my god i loved your mom she goes guess what i go what she goes i'm on my way to eddie's house and i was like oh my murphy gosh and she's like yeah i go wow i said that's so cool i only met him for like a second once yeah because you want to come <gasps> and i was like are you serious she goes yeah i'll come scoop you if you want to go oh my god. and i'm like i was with my girlfriend and she was pregnant at the time i'm like we're at dinner, and I'm like, hey, babe, can I go, go, go? I'm like, oh, thank God, because I would hate for you to be a single mother kid for not letting me go to see Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so, so Tiffany picks me up, and we go to Eddie Murphy's house, and we walk in the house, and I'm just, I'm in complete, I'm numb with, like, I can't believe this is happening, because he was like, you know, I, I I got Eddie Murphy stories from, like, 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> So we get to his house, we go in the basement, and as we walk downstairs, um, the first person I see is Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit. And Jamie's like, what's up, man? I'm like, oh, hey, Jamie. <laughs> and then I turn around, Eddie's like, hey, Russell, thanks for coming. I'm like, Ed- Eddie Murphy knows my name. How's he know my name? Eddie How's he knowing my, my name? Eddie Murphy knows my name. And then Neil Brennan's there, right? And then I hear behind me, ah, is this what you comedians always do? You guys just hang out? And I turn around, and it's Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest. Oh, I'm like, my god! And I'm like, what, what's up, Chip? Because I know all these guys. Yeah. Like, and, and then I look at the bar and I see Sasha Baron Cohen standing behind the bar. And then I'm like, Is this a fucking movie? By the way, this sounds like an old Bugs Bunny sketch where he walks into
1: a club <laughs> yeah. and like every it's like everyone, Clark Gable. Everyone, Jimmy
0: everybody Stewart. was there. So Sasha Baron Cohen's behind the bar. Isla Fisher is sitting at the bar. And then I see Bill Hader. Then I see Jimmy Kimmel. Then I see Patton Oswald. Then I see Tig Notaro. Then I see Ali Wong. I see Jeff Ross. And then I hear behind me, oh shit man, Russell Peters and I turn around and Chappelle's walking down the stairs and I'm like what the fuck have I walked into? By the way, this sounds like the
1: greatest open mic, like did <clears throat> it just like you the show of everyone getting
0: up and doing t- yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. And then and then I'm standing there and I see this black dude with blonde hair coming out the stairs and goes that's Cisco. And then it was like no, it was Chris Rock for some reason he had his hair dyed blonde that day. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I'm like what what is this? Where am I? What world am I in right now? Everyone else must have had the same surreal experience. Yeah, I mean, Kimmel talked about it one night. Oh, actually, matter of fact, Kimmel talked about it when Eddie Murphy was on his show. Yeah. And he was, like, talking about everybody was there, but he failed to mention me, which really bothers <laughs> me to this day. That's how fucking memorable I am to him. <laughs> <coughs> and what happened? Like, um, did you? So, so then uh, I'm just, like, I went to go get a drink, and then I was like, I got a tequila and then I go, what am I doing? I put this down. And I go, I don't want to be, no, I want to remember of every course. single part of this night. Of course. So I'm, and I'm not saying a word to anybody because I'm just literally like gobsmacked. I'm like, I, I can't believe what I'm in right now. Right. And then I'm standing in like a doorway like this and, uh, and it's Eddie, Chris Rock, Jamie Foxx beside me, Neil Brennan. And we're standing there talking about comedy. Oh my god! And they're like, "So when are you gonna come back?" And and, uh, and and I was like, "I don't know. I got like five minutes, man. You got to really, you know, you guys really work hard at it." And and then and I'm like, "I'm literally not saying a word." And I'm like, "I can't believe." It's not like you know. Sometimes when you're standing, when people are talking, and you can get the vibe that somebody's thinking, oh, "What's this guy doing here?" Right. You know what I mean? Do you there think was, that's
1: a real vibe? There, or is no, there that was, in your head? there's
0: a real vibe, but that that wasn't happening. Oh, it wasn't. That wasn't the vibe. I was like. That's why I stayed. I was like,
1: this
0: is so cool. I wasn't
1: finding those situations like you because, you know, your brain and it's an overthinking kind of a thing where you're like, say something cool, say something cool. And then there's a gap. And then you say something like "Comedy's my favorite.
0: And then everyone's yeah. like, oh, cool. that's, that's exactly. Honestly, that's exactly why I didn't open my mouth because I know what a fucking idiot I am. And that's exactly what I would have done. You should come back and do blah, blah, blah. Stand-up is fun. Yeah. You were so good at it. Have
1: you been to the Laugh Factory, yeah. Eddie Murphy? Yeah. I <gasps> oh, gotta go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, so I, and I had, like, a great story to tell Eddie, but I didn't tell him that either.
1: Yeah, sometimes the... It's like you you're going to kick yourself either way driving home. It's either going to be because you said something stupid or because you didn't get involved and you didn't say anything at all. Yeah.
0: So maybe it's, like, how do you kind of... Just let it go. The cool, the cool part of what, of this whole thing, other than everything, um, was like Tiffany took me there, but then Tiffany got so tired she fell asleep on Eddie's couch, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, well, I don't want to wake her." I'd be like, "Hey, Tiff, can you take me home?" Right. And I and it's like three forty five in the morning now, and I'm like, I don't want to be like, "Hey, Eddie, can I get your address for an Uber?" <laughs> and then I'm like, and then in my head, I'm like, all these scenarios going through my head, I'm like. Am I gonna sleep over at Eddie Murphy's house? Oh my god, Eddie Murphy! Go, Do you have any pajamas I could borrow? And I'm like, Am I gonna live here for the rest of my life? Yeah, <laughs> you, know yeah. you start uh, your your brain goes uh, mental because you like,
1: I guarantee you, Eddie Murphy is like, Oh, I have pajamas. Like he seems like the kind of guy that would just give you if you needed pajamas. Uh, he'd have a set of pajamas. I, to I give feel you. like
0: he's the kind of guy that would smile and be like, Hey, man, I'll see you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But thank goodness Arsenio was there. Okay. And Arsenio goes, all right, y'all, I'm out. I go, hey, Arsenio, which way are you going, Arce? He goes, I'm going down to the valley. I go, "Ah, perfect. Can I get a ride to Ventura? Oh, great. Uh, He goes, yeah, yeah, sure. I go, just drop me at the corner, like uh, Beverly Glen and Ventura. I'll I'll take an Uber from there. And then you just got the Uber from there. And then so he takes me. We start driving. I go, here, right here. Just pull over. He goes, I'm not going to leave you on the fucking corner, Beverly Glen and Ventura, like four in the morning. (laughs) I go, well, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to Woodland Hills." I go. Uh, that's perfect i'll go there and then i'm a mile away from there yeah i'll just take you home oh that's nice and i was like wow so tiffany took me and arsenio brought me home there's no better way to bookend that story but this is
1: what's great and it's sort of like what i was talking about with brian regan too is that comics are always comics yeah and they're always gonna want to talk about comedy understand it and they're all even with like eddie murphy saying like oh, i don't know i only got five minutes they're always sort of looking over the fence like (laughs) oh i don't I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I should do that. So I'll let you, like, there's still that sense of never feeling like you're- We never the, feel complete. You never feel complete. You never feel comfortable. You always feel like you're missing something or you don't have enough of something. And and it's, it's a bummer, but it's also charming at the same time. And it
0: also is what keeps us moving. Yeah. And, you know, I think I went through a whole little melancholy phase, maybe to the latter part of last year. And I started really considering leaving LA. I was like, I'm going to leave. Fuck this place. I hate it. I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to move to fucking Texas or something. Yeah. I was like, think- I literally started looking online. I was like, looking at Nashville. Looking what at- was it? What do you think it was? I don't know. You just go through. You get in your head. You get in your head, and then you're like, I don't know. Fuck this place. Nobody cares. Nobody's even going to notice if I leave. You know. But you, which is funny because it, if you look at sort of the empirical data, you have this really
1: great touring business people do know who you are they do come out to your shows it is a really hard thing to to convince people to put on pants and leave their house and park their cars and sit down and pay a lot of money and you know like that's a very hard and focus that is a really hard thing it is hard to sell tickets
0: you know what it was what i hadn't gotten back out on the road yet to start working on my new act okay and I think I was so scared of not being able to come up with anything. Got it. And I was so away from it for like a couple of months. Yeah. That I st- I just got in my own head. Yeah. And then and now I literally am in a place where it's like, fuck it. I don't give a shit anymore. Right. I don't want it. I don't care about it. I just I'm loving what I'm just loving doing stand up. It's my thirty first year. It's this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. It's it's fine and it, it's exactly what I wanna be doing. And now I've, I guess when you change your inward energy, your outward energy changes too. So of course it does. And then everything that I thought was you know the problem is not the problem, and everybody turns out they well, oh, hey man, hey, that's, I'm like oh okay, oh, it things is, are okay, guys. It is funny how much you're, you're convinced of a certain reality. Yeah, it,
1: this is totally it, and and then you kind of start finding reasons without realizing it to build that case to strengthen that case oh
0: yeah yeah you can and then i started realizing that i wasn't even taking heed of my own advice and i was always like you know i always tell people when you when you're in life there's two roads there's the negative road and there's positive road why would you take the fucking negative road right and i started going down the negative road and i go what's a hard road to get off of it is a hard road to get off of and you can you can build either like once you start down either path you're going
1: to find reasons to support that no matter what you start
0: laying roots down absolutely And it is hard to get out of because you kind of have to backtrack a little bit to figure out how to get to the other one, but... Yeah, and I'm one of those people that doesn't matter what it is in life, I don't like going back. I don't like negative distance. Right. <laughs> well, you just like, we're, 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 this get, is the way it, we're, we're going. motoring forward. I
1: left something at home. Too yeah, bad. We're yeah. not going back. Hey, should we ask the government director? Fuck that guy. No, no. <laughs> I'm not asking anybody for nothing. <laughs> Why? It just doesn't... It's not the way things are done. That
0: guy's going to think I'm a bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's important because... I think in most people's lives, whatever they have convinced themselves themselves about their reality, a percent, at least a percentage, if their perception of that were altered, would change the kind of. And you're right; it changes your outward energy because you can tell when people have inward energy, right? And you can tell when people are comfortable, and you can tell when people are trying too hard, which is you know like was well. That's what I
0: was also afraid of. Am I going to be out there trying too hard? Am I going to look desperate? I was. I didn't know what the fuck I was thinking. Yeah, my my whole team was worried about me because they were like, "Something's going on with that guy." And I'm like, "I don't know what the fuck's going on with me. Leave me alone." But it's just normal. I think it's a thing that everyone
1: everyone goes through.
0: I think you know. It's I guess it, yeah. It lets you know that you're human. It's the it's the
1: life equivalent of you talk to someone at a party. You leave. You're driving home. You replay the highlight reel from the party. You go, "Oh my god, I made this one! Con- I made this one joke to someone." And they just split up with someone, and they're going to be upset because they thought I was making fun of <laughs> relate. And this, oh my god, oh they hate me. Oh my god, that's why. They, and the next <laughs> time you see him, tree, I'm bang. so. <laughs> then you're dead. <laughs> the next time you see him or talk to him, I'm so sorry about that thing I said the last time. That was and they're like, what are you talking about? Like you've built this whole case against yourself that what I've done that no with register. Chris Rock.
0: I I thought I said something really stupid to him, and then I thought I said something really dumb to his girlfriend. And then I was like, fuck, he's, he, this guy hates my guts now. Yeah. And then I was like, call, I called Tony, his brother. I'm like, Tony, can you uh, text your brother <laughs> and tell him I apologize if I was <laughs> uh, you know, remotely uh, in, in, you know, in, in, uh, inappropriate that night or whatever? And he's like, what the fuck did you say to him? And I go, I don't know, dude. He goes, man, my brother won't remember shit that you said to him. <laughs> I go, are you serious? He goes, I'm pr- I promise he won't remember. And, I, and then I called like, his cousin, Sherrod's mom. I'm like, Sherrod, can you? And he's like, No. He's not going to... No, nobody... And I could... Jeff Ross go, Jeff, can you... He goes, yeah, I'll mention it to him, pal. And I'm like, no, you're not. Nobody's going to say shit.
1: Yeah, and... But, <clears> then, <throat> but then the other thing is that you might make a thing out of it by trying to...
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I really overthought it. And, and, it's, and I saw Chris and everything was normal. Totally normal and, and fine. Like, oh,
1: okay. But that's just a good lesson for, like, the stories that we tell ourselves are not... Like, whatever story you tell yourself might be true because you make it true, but it doesn't necessarily make it an objective reality.
0: Right. It like can, when I did your game show. Yes. And I won. Yes. I was sure you would remember that.
1: <laughs> can I tell you what happened with with At Midnight? We did so many episodes of that I show. Know.
0: I know. I know. But, but but in my head I was like, there's no way he won't remember that I won.
1: I I've run into people that I was like like and it's more actors, not comedians, but actors like, Oh my god, you know, you should do At Midnight sometime and they go, Yeah, I did it. And I had no because you live so much in your short term memory right. that your brain just scoops out and you start over the next day. Yep. You know, with six hundred episodes. Like I've started to go back and watch some of the hashtag games, like, oh, these were really fun. And I had literally zero mem like it's like I'm watching someone else's show and a whole new thing. Yeah, that it's that like, like when I before. meet
0: like a celebrity that I may have uh <clears throat> like interviewed and I had a talk show back years ago, and I and I'm like, Hey, how are you? And, no, don't remember me. And I'm like, wow. And I'm like, fuck that person. They think they're cool.
1: I never, I don't, that never bothers me because I, <coughs> I do understand like, especially a lot of times when they're in that moment, there it could have been like one of five things they did that day. Oh shit. I know now. Yeah. But, but at the know, time you take it real at personal. At the time, you're,
0: you're, you know, again, that was, that's a different Russell again where yeah. you're like, I was over. You know, you get hypersensitive when you're when you're, and to me, it's like a sign of weakness. I'm like, you're not a weak guy, Russell. Why the fuck are you act hypersensitive? Well, not only not only the hypersensitive
1: thing, but I think it's it's very difficult for it's very difficult for someone who works in a in the creative arts where there's kind of a a relatively non-linear reward system. Like, how do we know we're doing a good job? So we set up all these things that kind of feed our ego because we think oh well if that's being fed that must mean that I'm doing it if people remember me if people come out to my shows if I get invited to certain parties if I get asked to do certain things that is a sign but what we really just want to hear is like you're enough you're complete you're
0: doing okay which yeah. by the way
1: we could just tell our we could just accept
0: with our present we circumstances could. we we look around we should be able to look around us and go oh yeah we're doing good. Yeah, we're Things doing good. good here.
1: Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have to get a job. I where'd, hate. You, where'd you grow up? Uh, well, primarily, well, I've been in LA since '88, but like, <clears throat> I grew up in Memphis, and I lived in Denver for a while. And Florida. so, would you say
0: you're a Tennessee guy?
1: I, I, yes, I was born in Kentucky, but I always say I'm from Tennessee because I spent a considerable chunk of my childhood. there. I do like Tennessee. N- yeah, I've never been to Memphis, but <clears throat> Memphis is a cool town. Nashville's great. I love. Nashville. Everyone loves Nashville. Memphis is cool. It, but there's. Comedy hasn't really, like, embraced <coughs> Memphis the way some Neither other cities. Neither has English.
0: Hi yeah. um.
1: <laughs> hey there. How y'all doing? <laughs> my my stepmom's great. She's from Mississippi, and she adds syllables to words that don't have extra syllables. Right. There's just, like, a drawl down there where everyone just sort of talks like this down yeah. there. But it's uh, – so I do consider myself Southern, but I've been in L.A. for, you know, 30 years. Yeah, I years. would never have guessed Southern in my no, life. No, no, no. It doesn't – I don't feel – I mean – I feel a, a connection to it. but because yeah, you have memories. I have memories. Where, where did you grow up?
0: Toronto. You grew up in Toronto. Yeah. Toronto's a great place for comedy too. Especially, I started in 89, so <clears throat> it was right as the boom was ending. Yeah. So I that was the best time to start because nobody cared about comedy. Nobody was paying attention to it. Make all the fucking mistakes you want in the world. Nobody's looking at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always <clears throat> found that, I think it was really interesting that, you know, Montreal's JFL was – like that was like a – that was – that's such a badge of honor as a new comic to go do mm-hmm. Montreal. And I've done Montreal a bunch and I've had this experience and I've seen other comedians have this experience. There's just enough of a cultural difference that it's – for a new comic, it can be very jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh to have like an audience of uh Quebecois mm-hmm. and you're doing like these American jokes that are real talky and don't have the same references or even the same cultural language. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like you can have a rough set and then a juggler gets up and fucking destroys. And oh, like, yeah. Goddamn. So I always found it an interesting place for new American comedians because... A- it, even for Canadian comics. Because it's a, its a, it's its own bubble. And it's a beautiful city and it's a wonderful culture. But it really is its own bubble. And if you're an outsider,
0: you're an outsider. The first time I did it was in 96. Yeah. And uh, that was the first year they did this this show called Comedy Night in Canada. Uh-huh. And I was, I had to fly myself in (laughs) and put myself up, but I was like, it's just blast. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then they put me on these comedy night in Canada shows, and they, I was the only non-white person on these shows, and they put me on first both nights, and I was so fucking mad. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me, dude? You can't just bury me into the middle of the show or at the end. Like, you got to throw me on. Like, it's like, let's get rid of this one. Oh man, I took it so personally. You know what I mean? I was like, because in growing up in Canada, you, I dealt with a lot of racism. So I was like, they're doing this shit again. They're fucking with me again. Right? <clears throat> do you think? Do you think that's what was happening? Or do no, you? No, think- I don't. I don't even think they noticed. They were just like, I don't know, put them on there because my name. You're not gonna. You're not gonna know by my name. You're gonna see Russell Peters, and you're be like. Whoever that is put that, put that guy on first Right, right, right And so was there It doesn't an, say Russell Peters, Brown was
1: there, was there an expectation About the type of comedy <clears throat> The audience thought You were gonna do
0: No, I don't know what it was I, I, I mean, I, I did okay Yeah I did, I, by no means did great And, and Mike, uh, Mike McDonald was hosting Uh-huh And he goes How you feeling, kid? Backstage And I go I'm really nervous So, uh, you know I'm p- pretty nervous And then he goes well, What do you want me to say about you? I go I don't know, except i from Toronto, I guess. Uh, I don't know. And then uh, he goes, First comic, backstage. Hey, really nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Fuck, Fucker. Maybe it's better
1: that maybe if he had said you were from Toronto, maybe the crowd would have turned on
0: you. Yeah, but you know, I, I was just, you know, you're not, if you're not in this business, you were, I don't know if you came around this or if you're the only one in your family in this business. Yeah, I am. It's the same. You don't know what to do. Right. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to. I I was me I'm still meandering my way through this fucking business. Sure, but but
1: ultimately I feel like the thing that we arrive at is when you can peel back all the layers and just be the most comfortable version of you. That's when the magic happens, but fuck that's really hard to get to that place. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. And like you got like the people like Brad Pitt, nobody in his family's in the in the business, but you know, he's beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, he's a yeah. it's you know, and you got a lot of these people that they're just really pretty people. So being a beautiful human being physically is like being famous your entire life. People treat you differently.
1: So what – so because I, I feel like there's a lot of different identities at play because you have the your the, the cultural background, that like your, your ancestry, mm-hmm. but then your Canadian cultural background, mm-hmm. but then also like a connection to America versus like also performing in uh, Montreal and having that. So like where do you – do, do, did you eventually just sort of feel like you know what I'm me and I'm all of these things yeah. and none of these things at that's, the same that's, time that's where I am
0: at now and like I think that's why Canada is so loyal to me because I always number one I always say I'm Canadian mm-hmm. and uh, number two I always uh, it's at a point now where when I'm when I go to events in LA or at you know Hollywood party type of yeah. thing people are like hey Russell how long are you in town for I go oh you know 14 years now you fuck what do you mean how long am I in town for <laughs> It's been here a long time.
1: <laughs> I feel like uh, one of the angriest kind of threads from a joke that I uh, that I saw was I was I was doing Fallon a few years ago, and I mentioned that I was going go to go to just for laughs. And I said I'm going to Montreal, or as I call it, practice France. And I just thought like oh, I was a stupid throwaway joke, and oh, people yeah. got really mad. Like they got people re- get mad over anything. Yeah, like nowadays, like the, the, the comments in the thread i had posted it somewhere, mm-hmm. and they were like well, America sucks for this. And I was like, I'm not saying anyone sucks. I was just, I was just, I, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I wasn't trying who to. Who used to
0: say uh, Canada uh, where um, we're America's hat? Oh, God. Who was that? I don't remember. That sounds familiar,
1: but I can't remember who Canada, that was. Canada
0: where America's hat.
1: But I do find uh, comedy in Canada to be a wonderful experience. And it's, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Vancouver, uh, Edmonton, Camp. like there's so many great places to perform there. And I find the crowds to be engaged and warm and welcoming. Because and you're fun. famous to them now. Oh, is that really?
0: Yeah. Try coming up in that. Okay. Oh, It's a bummer, buddy. Was it really? That's why you get good comics out of Canada because it, the audiences are difficult. Yeah. They do, they do not want to laugh. Yeah. 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 I don't. I, they literally have them until, make me fucking laugh, boy. <laughs> so it is a little bit of a battle. Yeah, they're like make me laugh. And the, they pride themselves on being miserable in that respect. But isn't that kind of a gift in a way when you're coming up because if you can figure out how to navigate that, <laughs> well that's what makes the great comics because we know how to we know how to cut through that bullshit. And then once once you crack the code, you don't get that anymore from them. Right. You know what I mean? Once 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 you figure out oh, I know I I understand that that's what you're trying to do but here's what i'm going to do for that right 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 and uh and, and then it goes away
1: yeah yeah but yeah But when
0: you're a new comic that's what you're dealing with yeah when you're coming up you're like huh make me laugh boy and so with
1: the first time you went to Montreal, what happened? Like, did it lead to... Because that ne- was...
0: led to nothing. Okay. It led to me being in debt for the flight, the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me, me thinking, you know, and it was 96. That's when they were giving out deals. Left, like, right, Left and left right. Yeah, so you're and like, I'm, I'm going, going to like, Montreal. What I'm going to get made? a deal. Yeah. And I... Dude, I had... Oh, my God. I said the dumbest things to people. Trying to be clever. I, I, I had no clue. Do you, do you think that... This sort of like the the blessing and
1: the curse of the comedian is the overactive kind of like like if we didn't overanalyze everything, do you think we would sort of lose the
0: comedy power? We would lose something because, but it, tur- cause it turns on you too. It turns on yourself. You know what it is. You it's we're the we're still the same kid that was like, hey, you're not allowed to say that, okay? Yeah, and you're like, but why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it and watch. Nothing's going to happen. Right. And then in my head, I was like, that's probably say that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, made you say that. But do you
1: feel that that power of like, do you get more control over it as you get older where you.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, again, you go through these, you, you're, you know, you're a snake. You're always shedding your skin. Yeah. So you, yeah, you eventually figure out. You, you, Listen, we don't really fully – nobody really fully figures out this entertainment business until we're right on our deathbed. And right. then we're like, ah, oh, shit. Can there I just have is. ten more years? <coughs> yeah. Just, just give me five more minutes. Don't give me the light yet.
1: Just give me five more minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, you're literally running the light that you're supposed to walk through. I'm getting the light. Yep. I'm going to – I'm just going to close with this. Ugh.
0: Yeah, uh, This didn't go the way I planned.
1: So when you said, you know, you went through this period of depression, this dark period, you didn't know what you were going to say, which is so funny because – you know you had like eight other specials i imagine that proved that yeah I, you know i keep finding stuff to say and you also know that you can riff what, what how much how much did you have when you went on stage at that point i start with zero you start with zero and I you literally can start, start with
0: zero and it's because i don't really know what direction i'm going in i don't know what i want to talk about until i get up there and you think that's your body Trying to process
1: and purge whatever sort of stuff. No, you're that's going my at the brain
0: time. going thinking too much. Then you get on, you just do it. Right. It's like, oh my God, I can't swim, I can't swim. Oh, you get in the pool. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm trying. I'm good. Treading. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Sorry guys. I've, Sorry about the panic.
1: As much as I riff on stage, I've never I've had those shows where I go, you know what, I'm just gonna go up with nothing and then just kinda see if I can bail myself out. And usually the answer <laughs> is no. Like I need a base of material to at least be able to go back to when when the riffing stuff isn't working, but I, just to go up on stage with nothing and just kind of see what pans out, like, that is not.
0: I, I, I mean, it trips me out and scares me, and, and honestly, it, it freaks me out, but I I don't think I could do I, – I and I want to. Like, when you say how you sit down and you write on and, yeah. and your laptop, I'm like, I envy that ability to focus like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you have kids, <laughs> you throw your laptop out the window because – Because they will. It's not going to work. yeah.
1: And uh, what was, for you, what was different about this special? Did it feel different? Like, was it, were you like, oh, I think I'm really, like, because I just think of us as these, like, blocks of marble that we're just constantly chiseling and chiseling Mm -hmm. and chiseling and chiseling away
0: at until it becomes this very kind of detailed thing. I I like this new special, um, but I've seen a lot of people who hated it online. Oh. I've seen people hate it or love it. I haven't seen anybody going, eh, it's all right. So is that good then because it's not – because it's
1: if something's polarizing, is that better than it just like people going, meh?
0: Yeah. I mean it's better than meh. Right. You know what I mean? Ultimately. But uh, obviously the, the haters are louder than the, sure. than the people that enjoy it. Sure. You know, the manager usually hears about the complaints, not the compliments.
1: So – and how has <laughs> – just because as we are emerging in all these different platforms, Amazon, which is special, is on versus like <clears> – <throat> I, it's like I don't even know in three years like what the comedy platforms are going to be. Is it going to be Amazon, Netflix and HBO or is like someone else going to lo- – like I don't even I, know. I what like comedy- to think
0: of myself as a pioneer and I've got an idea for the next one. You do. I got an idea for where it's going to go it, and, and I'm working on it from now. OK. Yeah. Is it like a a different – completely a new platform? It's not a new platform but it's a new way of doing it. OK. Yeah. So uh, it's it cuts out something – I don't want to say too much. No, no, though. you don't have to say yeah. too much.
1: But just but just from someone who you said sort of got your start because in the earliest days of YouTube, that was a whole new thing mm-hmm. of realizing, oh, these things that we're putting on the internet are not regional. This is the Earth's internet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even put it on there. Someone else did. Yeah, because I'm still completely computer literate to this day. But that's you- why when you say you write on your computer, I'm like, how do you do that? Like... <laughs>
1: Just a like of I I strokes. would
0: literally just be sending I'd have to send emails to somebody in order to figure out how to send something and save it. I, like that would be like hey Chris and I would just hey Chris ignore this email this is just me writing my act and then I would type And I would have to send it to you just so I don't lose it.
1: In the 22 years that I've been doing stand-up, it's only been the last few that I've done computers. Like before it was just I had notebooks. Yeah. But then it just started like the cross-referencing and the, oh, where was that? And flipping pages and then having to bring a notebook around and being terrified to lose it and, you know – I just, I finally just turned it over to digital and and I just got used to it. Yeah. It's not what I would prefer to do, but it just is Does it feel like you're
0: not as connected to it when you're doing it through the computer?
1: No, because I, um, I, my brain has just found a way to connect with it in a way that that I can. Yeah, I mean, you relearn how to. Yeah. Well, and I also, I like, I create file history. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I'll type out. You know, like jokes that I want to do for you know the Thursday night in a show, and then on the Friday I'll go through and make edits and change stuff, and then I'll save that as that file for that date. Mm-hmm. So like I have a file history of that really kind of walks through the evolution. So See, I, hey, I don't,
0: I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> I literally do not like when I used to write out my act um, very early in my career. I would write it out literally. If I said, um, I would write, um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, I I wish I really had those notes still. I would love to find those notes.
1: Well, it's just sort of the, the, you know, there are guys like I need to write stuff down to remember them, but there are the Chappelle's of the world who are just like, I've never written anything down. Yeah. It just all, and I've seen him over a week. I was at the punchline once and he was also there. And so They just he just kept headlining and I opened for him for a series of shows like ten years ago and I watched him start with this kind of blob of a conversation Mm -hmm. that was still funny. But then over the next like three days, just watch it get whittled into this fucking sculpture of a piece. And he never wrote any of it down. He just remembered it. Yeah. And that and, and and it was we're talking about like three hour sets. Yeah. And somehow that's just how his brain works. And I was so in awe of it because mine doesn't I was like I would have to be like wait what did I say yesterday oh I wrote it down okay great yeah like
0: great, I have great, my great. assistant watching me and be like hey the way you did it tonight was the way to do it you know
1: <clears throat> which is helpful
0: yeah because in a way but the idiot will text me while I'm on stage <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean like like my phone's right there and I keep it face down like this but I you know I'll just sometimes flip it over to check the time and I'll see my agent my uh, <clears throat> my my assistant text me Go oh, something wrong and I'm like Are we, okay, sorry guys I'm a fucking idiot. While I'm on stage, you text me but this? would you put in airplane mode. Yeah. Don't get smart with me, kid. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, that was out of line. I, I was way out of I don't, line. I don't
0: need your logical okay, answers Okay, I'm so to, sorry. No, you're absolutely to dumb, right. I to I, dumb, I don't need your logical solutions to dumb problems.
1: <laughs> so now that the special is out, are you... Did you stop doing all those jokes the oh, second the done. special came I, out? I, I
0: kind of stopped doing them the second i recorded it yeah well i still had some dates left so i kept it for that but i was like i was prepared to let it go right away and so are you already like
1: way into the next one by now you must be because (laughs) listen
0: i started january 2nd right with getting with going up with nothing and now what are we at almost
1: february -February. mid-february
0: mid-february and uh I, i think i've got about 20 minutes now that's great and as far as i'm concerned that's a pretty good fucking amount of time to have in a month so do you is, – is the idea – what's your turnaround? Like is it – I have to be ready by June. Holy shit. Yeah.
1: You're already shooting another special?
0: No, no, no. I mean ready to tour.
1: Oh, oh. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, yeah. But what's your – what's the turnaround for – do you do a special – if you've done nine specials, you must do a special about
0: every year or two. No, I, I've been doing them every three. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I'm like – I don't see the purpose of doing them every two years. The material, it doesn't – It doesn't benefit the material.
1: Because you have to live with it for a long time to find the real, right.
0: Yeah. And I always think back to like my best specials were like when I had a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. And so let's go back. There's no rush. There's enough specials out there for, to fill the space in the meantime. (laughs) Probably better (laughs) specials even.
1: Is your plan to, do you think you'll be a guy that just does specials until like your Uh, last breath?
0: I don't think I want to do any more specials, but I'm going to do a 10th. Yep. And then it's we'll 10, you got to do 10. yeah we'll, we'll hit the nice even ten mark, and then then we'll just see what happens. I mean, but I always say these things, and then you know they yeah, there'll be an eleven then there'll be a fucking twelve, you know right. whatever there'll be. Bob yeah. Newhart told me a long time ago that what we have is a gift, and that we have to share the gift. Mm-hmm. It would be completely selfish of us to not share this gift with the world, and he said there's no there's no due date on this, you share it until the, until you die.
1: I loved his. The way that – the first time that I had heard like a legend – this is many, 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 many years ago. I wrote an article for Wired and I talked to a bunch of different comedians like him and Stephen Wright. This was like before podcasts even, mm-hmm. before I did a podcast. So maybe it was even 15 years ago. And just sort of talking to them about their process. And to hear this legendary comic that he would – because he does these long act-out pieces. And he oh, goes, yeah. oh, yeah. So I would, I would build in a bailout point, several bailout points. And if I could get to that bailout point and people were still engaged, I would go to the next bailout mm-hmm. point. But if I started to lose people, then I would just bail out. So he essentially would write like five or six endings for every bit. And right. depending on how in the audience was, he could just get out at the perfect moment. Wow. Uh,
0: <clears throat> I don't write that way. but I- He's like a got a, a, a really brilliant mind and knows how to economize words uh, uh, perfectly. Yeah. So uh, 10 years ago, I, I was lucky enough for him to choose me out of everybody. He chose me to be the representative for the younger generation of comics yep. and be there for him at his induction for the 50, 50 years in film and television. Mm-hmm. And I was like so taken aback and and, and honored. And, and then so we, he has this private dinner after and I get invited and it's like me, and, and I'm sitting at a table with Peter Scolaro.
1: Oh, Peter Scalari, I know Peter. Peter's uh, great.
0: From uh Frozen Buddies*. Yes, and uh, Fred Willard, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, wow, this is. So, and Don Rickles is there, and Don was one of my idols. Yeah. And uh, so, Bob gets up to tell a story, and there's this woman there. I won't say who she was. <clears throat> she was the wife of a very, um, uh, well-to-do TV producer, mm-hmm. and she was drunk and kind of obnoxious. So Bob's about... He's like, I want to thank everybody. I want to tell you a quick story. And then she's like, is this going to be funny, Bob? Bob, is this going to be a funny story? No! Is this going to be funny? And then everyone's like, the fuck... And and then Bob just goes, why don't we all find out together? (laughs) And I was like, that's fucking perfect. It must have killed. It destroyed. And I'm like, it was perfect.
1: (laughs) See? He, made, he took a flaw and made it like – it's sort of – that's what I love about comedy is like spinning gold out of the flaws, like spinning yeah. magic out of the flaws. Like and, I would have been like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, but he needed that moment to happen in order <coughs> to engage the audience, yep. pull them in, have like this amazing experience. And if it hadn't happened, you wouldn't have remembered that moment. Right. So in a way, that's sort of the, the beauty part about – about being able to be in the moment like that, is that those imperfect moments become, like, the magical part. It's it's how we save them. Is Jay Mandiam opening for you some on the road? Yeah, this weekend. I love Jay. He's such a sweet guy. uh, He's really funny. He's a a good guy. He's a good kid. Yeah, he really is. Uh, He's worked hard. He has, and I I met him at the comedy store, and he did At Midnight, and he he had an amazing... First time he was on the show, he had an amazing first show. It was really great. I'm glad. I'm glad you're touring with him.
0: He's a good kid. Is there
1: anything else you want to promote while you're here?
0: um deported deported no that's over. The, that's over that's over that's the special it, now that's the special so that you can it. watch that on amazon prime video and yep. i will be coming to a town near you soon yeah by the way I grand rapids coming up
1: grand rapids is a fun comedy like town the
0: gilda Radner comedy yeah 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 like gilda's laugh f- fest it's a yeah. fucking have you done it? i have it's yeah. great i'm doing that on i think march 8th or something oh like you'll love it let me confirm the date it is a March it is, 8th it is. It
1: is a good it is a good festival and a good town for comedy. I think you'll actually I think will yeah, love it. And I just wanted to deported is the name of your special not
0: a thing I was just saying. Right right. I think Chris Hardwick is suggesting that I get deported. I don't think that's what I was uh, I I am not 100% Put away sure. that white pointy I hat, Mr. I don't have
1: a hat on that I get is it. either You're from or Memphis. Way.
0: Stop it. No, don't, I will not build you, a wall. Don't use Tennessee against me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Russell, I can't thank you enough for being Thanks, here. I appreciate it. So, it's always so good to see you. And, and one of those, it's one of my favorite things about the the you know always going to Montreal. It's like the shows are fun,
0: but it's just like, it's the hang. That it's the I love hang. The most. It's going oh to that god. that
1: one hotel with the round bar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the everyone Hyatt. after their shows just like gets ready. Like oh my god, it's like a you it's know, it's great.
0: And then. You want to talk to people, but then you get distracted so quick. Yeah. Hey man. Oh hey, sorry. Hey man. And then they and then disappear. Everybody fucks off on each other. Yeah. And but nobody takes it personal. No, Nobody's no, no, like, no. Hey, you didn't come back. No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. It's nice. It's fun to be around everybody. Well, thank you for being here. It's Thanks for having you. me. This castle is wonderful. Oh, you thank you. Here. I really appreciate that. I really want to see more of it.
1: Yeah, I can. I'll show you around. Yeah. Dude, we got to put some secret door. We need the secret door. This feels like a secret room. This it was is this was a secret room. This wasn't a room. This was a, it, 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 like we put the walls up, but it's concrete under here. It was just like a, there's there's like um there was a a patio above here, so this was just like underneath the patio, and so we punched through and made this the podcast room. This is great. It's our little podcast bomb shelter. Cool. I mean, this is from Meltdown Comics. I don't know if you ever performed at Meltdown. No, uh, that was your thing. It was well, Joan and Kumail did their thing there, and then we uh, built like a, we programmed the other nights of the week but they started it <clears throat> like they started doing comedy there on Wednesday nights and so it was just like oh why isn't there comedy here seven nights a week that was Nerd Melt that was yes 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 and that's yes, gone yes. now right yeah Meltdown got he he got rid of it uh, on
0: it, it closed it's not It's, it's now he's guest off
1: <laughs> hey hello we did it we started with a pun that's right and we landed with a pun that's right you know
0: my favorite rapper was big pun alright guys hey look guys at the guy come here. on
1: You're, come on it's fun <laughs> Good night. ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.